So I think mentoring is probably one of the most important aspects uh, for a career in science. Um, I mean, courses really only get you so far in understanding the culture and nuance of the field. Um, I think having a personal connection with someone who's invested in your future, uh, it really brings along an important sense of belonging in the field. You're listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Join Michael Holtz and his guests for conversations about all things ORAU. They'll talk about ORAU's storied history, our impact on an ever-changing world, our innovative scientific and technical solutions for our customers, and our commitment to the communities where we do business. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. Recently, I had the opportunity to speak with several NASA National Postdoctoral Program research fellows about the amazing work that they're doing. And I got to tell you, I think you'll agree with me. Their work is amazing, and it's a very interesting. If you're a space junkie like I am, you're going to nerd out on these conversations. Enjoy. Dr. Lewis, let's start, if you would, talking about who you are, what's your current role with the NASA MPP um, Fellows Program, and tell me a little bit about your background. Sure. So my name is Tiffany Lewis. I grew up in Southern California. Um, I went to college at George Washington University in Washington, D.C., and at that time, I was sort of thinking I was interested in science policy, uh, but I really loved my research project. So I ended up getting my PhD in physics from George Mason University in Virginia. Uh, I've been a NASA postdoctoral program fellow for two years. I work in the Astroparticle Physics Laboratory on theoretical modeling of jets in active galaxies, especially blazars. Uh, and I've had the opportunity to consult on some exciting projects here. So I worked on the science case for the Amigo X mission concept, and I led a lot of the involvement in the SNOMAS process from the high energy astrophysics and multi-messenger communities. Wow. So it sounds like you've done some really exciting and interesting things. Has science always been an interest for you? I guess, how did you get to the point that you are now? So uh, I didn't always have um, a strong interest in science. I mean, I always enjoyed the classes, but that I enjoyed all of my classes when I was a kid. So um, I was a bit of a nerd. Okay. Um, so when I was when I was really young, I wanted to be a teacher, and then sort of around middle school, I wanted to be a historian. Um, in high school, I looked a little bit at aerospace engineering, but it didn't really keep my attention. Okay. Uh, so by the time I graduated high school, I had been doing Model United Nations for four years, and uh, I really wanted to be a science policy advisor. Uh, so I was working towards that in college. I took courses in modern world history, the foundations of politics, journalism and journalistic statistics. Um, and, and that was all in addition to my physics major because I wanted right. to have like a really strong foundation in science if I was going to be advising other people on it. Right. Um, but I had this really amazing mentor during my undergraduate research project. And I really fell in love with the activity of research, coding, math, you know, problem solving at its most fundamental. So I was starting to see open questions in the universe and I ended up pivoting to a more standard science career track. And uh, gosh, it must've been after I submitted my intent to graduate paperwork. And then I started applying to uh, graduate schools for physics. Very cool. So very unorthodox sort of 
track to get where you are. What was it about, just going back to your interest in science policy, what was it about that that stoked your interest? So science policy sort of brought together the two things that I was most interested in at the time. I I found that I had sort of a talent for science and taking, I took a lot of science classes when I was in high school and I wanted to continue that in college, but I guess I just never really fully considered a scientific career at that point in my life. Um, I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know anyone who had had a scientific career. but I had, I had had a lot of experience in Model UN. And so I had sort of mapped out what is the career trajectory of somebody who works in policy. And I had identified that I could combine those two things as a science policy advisor. Gotcha. Um, and then you found a mentor who really sort of changed their trajectory. Talk about that experience a little bit. Um, being mentored, and I know, you know, in the the NASA MPP Fellows Program, that's a mentored experience as well. How important, I mean, obviously you had a mentor that sort of tra- changed the trajectory of your work, career and your focus, but how important have mentors been to you? So I think mentoring is probably one of the most important aspects uh, for a career in science. Um, I mean, courses really only get you so far in understanding the culture and nuance of the field. Um, I think having a personal connection with someone who's invested in your future, uh, it really brings along an important sense of belonging in the field. Okay. Um, And have you had the opportunity to mentor others? Yeah. So uh, when I was in grad school, I had the opportunity to mentor actually a lot of students uh, in both research and outreach um, through the campus observatory uh, when I was managing uh, that facility. So I taught them to use the telescopes. I taught them how to analyze data. um, And I've tried to connect them with collaborators, both inside the university uh, and outside the university so that they could work with those people to further their careers. Uh, I've also mentored through the Fermi collaboration. I've served two terms as a career mentor and counselor. Uh, and I've mentored other postdocs through sort of career-oriented conversations in a, a STEM-wide organization. Okay, so making those connections and and working with others is really important. I know that science is a very collaborative process. Talk a little bit about that as well. I, I know you're working on sort of your own research, but you're also doing it in collaboration with other scientists. Talk about the importance of that process for for your work, but in science generally? Sure. So, I mean, teamwork, collaboration, um, those things can come together in a few different ways. Um, so I think one of the best things uh, as a scientist is to recognize that everyone in the sphere has a distinct area of expertise. Um, and so it's less about competition and it's more about drawing on each other's strengths. Okay. So when I was coordinating uh, an observing campaign to measure the size of the accretion disks in active galaxies, um, I was actually working on the planning portion. So I had a sense of how to prioritize the observations, how to distribute them over the course of a year and what needed to be done in any given night. Um, 
we had another scientist who was responsible for creating the analysis pipelines and actually analyzing the data and getting into the nitty gritty of that. And we hired a student to take on shifts in monitoring the telescope overnight. And he was responsible for making sure that all of the automated processes were running correctly or redistributing the observations to prioritize complete data sets, especially like if you've ever done optical observing from the ground, you know that weather is a huge thing that will come to play in sure. really unexpected ways. So we each had our role and we were each crucial to the final outcome, you know, estimating the size of that accretion disk. But none of our work actually overlapped that much. We each had distinct areas of expertise. And I think that's really important to recognize in, in science work more broadly. So I've also worked inside of formal collaborations uh, that center around NASA missions or mission concepts. The Fermi Collaboration is an international working group that centers around the Fermi mission. Uh, my roles within the collaboration are as a consultant on theoretical problems, someone who analyzes Blazar data. Uh, and I've also been a mentor to students and an instructor at the summer school, and I've contributed to publications. I'm also involved in uh, advocacy and public outreach for gamma ray science through the Fermi mission. Wow, you have a lot going on, <laughs> for sure. Um, how has the NASA NPP Fellowship Program impacted your career? Obviously, you've done some amazing work through the program. Do you see yourself continuing in that vein, um, doing other work? I guess, where do you see yourself headed from here? Yeah, so... Um... I mean, I am on the job market right now, so uh, where I'm headed sort of depends on the offers that I get. But in my NPP fellowship, um, I feel like this opportunity has really deepened my expertise in Blazar theory through the work with my mentor and sort of incorporating some particle physics into my models of jets for Blazars. Uh, working at NASA has allowed me to collaborate with observers, consult on mission concepts. That's not something that people really get to do very often outside of NASA, uh, and to really deepen my connections within the active astronomical community. Um, it gave me the freedom to uh, advise the uh, Astrophysics Communications Office at NASA to advocate for not just a mission, but a method for um, the structure of future mission selection processes through the SNOMAS process and working with people that are um, advising the uh, time domain and multi-messenger astrophysics component of interpreting the decadal right now. So I've also been working with a team to create um, structures and policies to affect research-based permanent changes in the diversity and inclusion culture of our lab. Uh, and as one of the foremost organizations in astrophysics and a driver for innovation and a funding agency, NASA is really in a unique position to set trends that define culture for the field. So it's been especially meaningful to work on these types of projects from here. Very cool. Um... Here's a, since you're, you're on the job market, here's a job interview type question. Um, can you share a time that you faced a sizable obstacle in your work and how you overcame that? I don't know if this is an interesting answer, but um, it, it's sort of a matter of course in cutting edge research that um, one will encounter problems. Uh, when that happens, it's mostly a matter of like checking everything up to that point. This is especially in the context of theoretical research. You want to kind of poke around the edges of the project uh, of the problem to verify the extent of it. 
And then you're probably going to go and like consult with the literature, talk to some other experts in the area to kind of generate ideas for a direction to go. And then it's really just chipping away at it. I mean, when you're dealing with mathematical and computational problems, um, there, you know, you, you're doing some checking to make sure that you're on the right track, but it's mostly just, you know, slowing down, making sure that everything is right, verifying step by step. Okay. And that's how you get. That's how you get it done, right? <laughs> um, what advice would you give to an up and coming scientist who may want to follow in your footsteps? So uh, coming from the perspective of like practical skills, you know, what I use most often is going to be math and coding. Um, so I pursued math sort of along the standard track, algebra, geometry to calculus, and then differential equations. Um, I took some computer science classes in college. I actually learned to code more from my undergraduate research project. Um, so I had a very patient mentor who would really walk me through some of that more advanced scientific coding. Um, so I, I took, you know, several courses in computational physics at the graduate level. Um, and, you know, those, those are all things that I still use to this day. I still use, you know, the most of the math that I learned. I still use most of the coding that I learned. Those computational physics courses uh, were really something that helped to set up my career. Um, I also have built a broad expertise in research. I've taken on a variety of projects in different subfields. I've done uh, exoplanet microlensing and transit observations all the way through, uh, you know, cataclysmic variables, photometric observations of galaxies. And then also, of course, my my core work as a theorist in, uh, in Blazar uh, work. So a large part of the, the value that I bring to a project is the physical intuition. Um, and that can really only be acquired through time and experience. So I would suggest, you know, Set yourself up with those broad foundations. Don't be afraid to dabble. Um, and after that, it's really all about persistence. Very nice. Um, why would you recommend a NASA MPP fellowship to others? So something that I really enjoy in my work is uh, a variety of tasks. Um, I feel like the NPP fellowship really facilitates that um, it gives you sort of the independence to work on things that are with your mentor. If you would like to do that, things that are a little bit adjacent to what your mentor might be doing. Um, and I get to learn a lot about the most powerful objects in the universe and to advance knowledge along that track. So I get to talk to other people about science and advocacy. Um, I mean, one of the one of the great things about working at NASA is that um, there's such a concentration of people who do similar work. And it's really great to be able to have those hallway conversations. Um, I also love that I get to travel to conferences and meet with scientists around the world. Um, so those are also things that NASA through the NPP fellowship facilitates. That's awesome. I mean, who doesn't wanna work with the most powerful objects in the universe, right? <laughs> Um, last question for you, Dr. Lewis. What brings you joy? So, I mean, it, if you want to separate it a little bit from the work that I do, I love taking care of my plants. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So what kind of plants? So I, I really like things that have like large leaves and very green foliage. Um, I, I like to keep them indoors uh, so that they filter the air in my house. Okay. Um, and I get to look at them even through the winter when everything is kind of brown outside. 
<laughs> Life is still green on the inside. Mm -hmm. I love it. Dr. Tiffany Lewis, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you and have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank Bye. you for listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. To learn more about any of the topics discussed by our experts, visit www.orau.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at ORAU and on Instagram at ORAU Together. If you like Further Together, the ORAU podcast, we would appreciate you giving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews will help more people find the podcast.